tables that you shall set before them. Oh, wait. I'm not starting there. What was I starting on? Verse 20. Yeah. <laughs> it's already kind of long, so <laughs> I don't need to read it all. Uh, okay, Exodus uh, chapter chapter 20. Or chapter 21, verse 20. When a man strikes... <laughs> what? Am I just... I see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chap, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Okay, I'm going to get through this. Sorry. <laughs> and God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other God before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I am the Lord your God. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of, your father, of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who loved me and kept my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes the name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you, sh you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is, the Sabbath, is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you, or your son, or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or your sonjurers, who is within your gates. For in, the six, for in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, and the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the, the Sabbath day, and made it holy. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord has given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not cover your neighbor's wife, or your male servant, or, your, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Uh, now when all the people saw the thunder, and the flashes of lightning, and the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off, and said to Moses, you speak to us, and we will listen, but do not, let, do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test, to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, and that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. I'll leave this for you. So there was going to be a, we're good, um, 
So we were going to start at Exodus, and then everybody was going to bring you on this journey all the way to Jesus in the temple. And then I was going to say, and now you're the temple, and everybody was going to be shocked and surprised. And it was going to be like, what? <laughs> we started at the Ten Commandments. How did we end up here? But first, Ashley gave it away, and then Jared. And so it's kind of like watching too much of a movie trailer. And they show too much, and they're like, it's like, well, we already know that what they discovered was aliens. Because <laughs> you showed us in the preview. So when we get to the part, you guys are all going to be like, what? <laughs> we didn't see it coming. <laughs> uh, I got Jared to start there because as we've been going through this um series in Lent, we've been going through the covenants of God and how God has related to the people of Israel um, through this um, this way of covenant. And so um, the next one we're looking at is the Mosaic Covenant, which starts with the Ten Commandments um, and what we just read and uh, Moses going up on the mountain and uh, meeting with God. Uh, and so the last two covenants we had were a royal grant is that what royal grant um and so there was only one side to them so god was saying this i'm going to do this for you like what he said to abraham i'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing to the nations um there wasn't anything on abraham there was no requirement on his part um but now we're moving into what is called the suzerian treaty um it's a different kind of covenant from the ancient near east where um there's something required of both sides for it to actually work um which means, so in especially in this case, the Ten Commandments, you will be blessed if, big if you follow these things. It's not just, I, and it, it's God saying, I want to bless you. I want to be able to do these things, but you have to follow these rules and these things that I've laid out for you. Um, so it's important that we look at the Ten Commandments this way, that it wasn't just about a set of arbitrary rules that God wanted to put in place because he's God and he was on a power trip. Um, it, it's not just something that he's just like, no, I just want people to follow and just to do this. But it's the God who created the world saying this is how to live and live in a fruitful way, to live in a way of that is full of life, of human flourishing, of your best possible life. The Old Testament was like the first book of like, live your best life now. <laughs> like, I, I, see way, I see way too many of those books, and that's, uh, I actually probably shouldn't say that about the Ten Commandments, because uh, every time I see those books, I want to like just toss them. But um, it, that's... But it's like God saying, this is how to live. And this is, and it's not a sense of like God being upset that you didn't do them. And so now I'm not going to bless you. It's that I actually can't bless you. He's saying, I can't bless you unless you do these things. Because if you do these things, you are going to enter into fullness of life in me. Um, the main thing I want to point out today as we go through this is that this wasn't just for the Israelites. So he, the Israelites were the people that God was, they were the chosen people from the time of Abraham and he brought them into Egypt or they went into Egypt. He brought them out of Egypt and he is setting them apart for something special. But it's not that um, the Ten Commandments and this covenant was just for them, but it was meant to make them a blessing to the nations that they were supposed to enter this other land and that it was supposed to spread out from there and the other nations were supposed to see how they lived 
see how they were blessed and say, hey, what's going on here? Why are you like this? What is different about you? And how come you have such joyous, fruitful lives that and, and we don't? Um, so even from the time of Abraham, he said to Abraham, you are to be a blessing, like you are to be a blessing to the nations. I'm choosing you, but I'm not choosing you just for yourself. I'm not just blessing you, but I'm blessing the whole world. The Old Testament is a long story of Israel failing to do this, um, of continually falling into sin, continually pursuing other gods, continually not following the covenant that was placed um, before them. So this whole time, this whole Mosaic covenant and starting with the Ten Commandments was the almost just the seed of temple worship for the Jewish people. So they came off the mountain and God said, now I want you to make a dwelling for me. I'm going to dwell with you. And the Ten Commandments, the stone tablets, they're going to go in the Ark of the Covenant, which sits within the tabernacle, um, this big tent um, complex. And this was because they were wandering in the desert still. This was the start of the temple. They didn't build a temple there, but they wanted a place where God would be and a place where he would worship. The temple in Judaism, and at this time the tabernacle, is always the place where God dwells. So it's not just God is in every place, every little place that they, they talk, but he is dwelling here in one specific spot. And for at this time, it was in the tabernacle. And we're going to see eventually it's going to be in the temple. Um, so eventually, as we know, they came to inherit the promised land that God had promised Abraham in the covenant from last week. Um, and But then we go through rulers of David and then to Solomon, and Solomon builds an actual temple. So we're moving away from the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle and into temple worship. And so the temple was there, and um, God was dwelling in the holiest of holy places. Um, eventually, what happens, we're, go we're go trying to go over this quite fast. There's a lot of history, a lot of different things going on here, and a lot of different things we can say. But so... Solomon builds the temple. Eventually, Babylon comes. They go into exile. They're kicked out. Temple gets destroyed. Um, people go away. And then there's a remnant that comes back, right? And that's the story of Nehemiah, of him coming and rebuilding God's temple um, in Jerusalem. Uh, so they get it gets rebuilt. And then we're going to fast forward to the time of Herod. And so Nehemiah had started the temple. They had started there and then what happened um and about 50 years before the birth of christ was herod was king and he wanted to impress the jews or gain favor with the jews and so he added to the temple that nehemiah had started um and so this is the temple in jesus day so it's herod's what is called herod's temple um it wasn't a jew but wanted to gain favor with them, um, which is an interesting thing when you think of it, we're calling it Herod's temple. Um, but this is still the place where God dwells. Um, I feel like when you think about that, it puts in perspective some of the other passages in the Bible, especially where Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, and she's saying, we, we know you have to worship in, in Jerusalem, and, and Jesus is saying, there's coming a time when that actually isn't going to be the case anymore. Um, because up until that point, it has always been in Jerusalem, where the Jews worship, where God dwells. We come and we worship there. Um, 
Oh yeah, I'm gonna read that first. So yeah, so some, some small towns would have synagogues and stuff like that where they would talk about the Bible, that have discussions, but the real center of worship was always Jerusalem in the one temple where God dwelt. So we're going to go to our passage now in John. Um, so in John 2, we're starting in verses, verse 13, and we're going to go to 22. Um, the Passover of Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Are we good? Yep. Um, in the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days? And he was speaking, or, but he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the world, or then the word that Jesus had spoken. Sorry, some of my messing up reading there is because my printer is really struggling and it's kind of blurry on this sheet. I am a better reader than that, I promise. <laughs> so I got a photo. Oh, yeah, Jocelyn's got it. Um, and you see, that's the temple complex. <laughs> she, she did have it. <laughs> um, I don't know how well you can see it. Is it fairly clear on your screen? Yeah. Um, but what I want us to focus on here is, so you have the whole temple complex, but then in the outer court there is called the court of the Gentiles. So the court of the Gentiles was where if you were um, a convert to Judaism, so you weren't an original child of Abraham, you weren't connected by the blood, his bloodline, you could still become come and worship the one true God, but you were restricted to that court. You couldn't go into... Um, further into the temple. And so in our story of Jesus um, kicking the traders and the vendors out of um, out of the temple, this is likely where they were was they were selling um, they were selling stuff in this court of the Gentiles. And so I don't know about you, um, but I find it very difficult I find it very difficult to pray when there's noise. Um, and I can't imagine praying in the middle of a market. And so Jesus is upset because he's like, guys, this isn't just for you. Like the temple, and so the Jews, I'm sure, had it set up. So like this can be the chaos area because it's just for the Gentiles. And then we'll go in and we'll pray inside and we'll have our peace and we'll have our tranquility and we can encounter God. And But outside, we're going to sell all this stuff so that we can do our sacrifices and everything. And so like imagine like probably not Comox Valley Market. That's kind of tame. But like if you can imagine like I've been to to Marrakesh in Morocco, which is like one of the largest markets in the world. And it is just, your senses just explode at, at everything that's going on from like what you see to what you smell to what you hear. 
it's you know and you almost feel like just the the people around you and this the the atmosphere is just electric um but imagine trying to pray in that imagine trying to come and encounter god in the midst of that you have like dead animals here they have live animals because it's it's a lot of the stuff they're selling is for sacrifices then you have animal waste around i'm sure and um yeah all of these different things that would make it very very difficult and so jesus comes to this scenario and this situation and he says guys what are you doing you cannot make my temple into a place for for trade um and part of him doing this is i think is because this is still from the beginning god saying this is for the world it's not just for you I didn't, I, I set you apart, yes, but it wasn't just for yourself, it was for the entire world. God has always had a global perspective for the redemption of the world. It wasn't just about Israel, it wasn't just about them and their specialness, it was about how can I bring salvation to the entire world? So remember in Judaism, the temple is wherever God dwells. So um, I just missed something in my notes here. So that's the start of our passages, Jesus coming in clearing out the temple and he's saying this is wrong this is for gentiles as well and you're messing it up but in the second half of our passage jesus is saying is that he is the temple so he is the place that god dwells and so if god comes to earth in physical form if god is there inside that body what is jesus he is a temple right temple is where god dwells and so that's what he's saying that's what why it makes sense where he is saying i'm going to destroy this temple and i'm going to raise it back up because he's talking about his body because god is within him god is always in a temple wherever god dwells is called a temple so as we move now from us or from jesus as the temple of god and saying he has put our spirit in us now we are the temple of god Mary Nick got it. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. I'm sure all you on Zoom are doing the same. <laughs> oh, but let that sink in for a second. We have the same God who dwelt in the ark and in the tabernacle and was this presence of of this cloud and this darkness that we that jared read in the passage that the people were terrified to go in and be around so much so that they said you know what moses you just go we're going to stay back here that same god is now in us so that presence that most holy of holies what ripped when the veil ripped when jesus died and the spirit of god came out of the temple and came in us I'm reminded of Jared actually a few weeks ago when he was doing his little sketch of like the little uh, the, the little demon boy that runs in and says, the spirit is in the people now. <laughs> that there's just this shock of like, we didn't see this coming of now 
we are all the temple of God. That everywhere we go, we bring that presence. And once again, though, it is not just for us, but for the whole world. That hasn't changed. That is from the beginning. The temple has been for not just for us, but for the rest of the world to encounter God. So for us, what does that mean? Where is our court of the Gentiles? You know, they, they are not just um, this bringing the presence of God wherever we go isn't just for us and for us to live in a way that is blessed, but it is for, a way, for us for a way for us to bless the world. Um, that should change how we live. It should change how we um, how we interact with the world around us. Because a temple is the place where God dwells, but it's also the set-aside place for the worship and the glory of God. If we are saying that we are believers and followers of Christ and that his presence dwells in us, we are to be people who are consistently giving God glory, to be consistently living in a manner that gives him praise. And we do that through coming together as the body, but we do it as we go out and we show his love to the world around us. We are to be people that are dedicated to God and giving him glory. And this, this should change how we view so much of our life. Like it, should, it changes the way you think about a lot of things. It should change the way we think about um about sin, if we are the temple, and if we are, and if we are carrying that presence within us, we always say like all sins are equal. You know what? Like Paul says in one of his letters, like yeah, okay, but sin to your own body—that is actually a sin against the temple of Christ. That it is very, very important that we take that seriously. That we are, and so often where it goes then is sexuality of. If you are taking, Paul says, would I marry the members of a prostitute with myself? Would I marry the members of a prostitute with the temple of God? Because that is essentially what we're doing now. If we are taking this seriously, and we're taking seriously our call to be the temple and to be the glory of God wherever we go, we have to take care of this body because it is the temple. But we also have to realize that we have to, we have a call to the world and what do we need to do? We need to show the rest of the world um, who Jesus is and bring that glory with us wherever we go. One, so if one of the things I thought of this week, um, without going into it too much, um, but one of the places where we spend a lot of our time, especially now in COVID is, is in our homes. Um, what if we viewed our homes as the court of the Gentiles? That they're not, they're still separate from us, still separate from like the holy of holies in the temple, but they're allowed in. They're always welcomed. That our, our homes, I mean, it's significant because our homes are often our most prized possession. Whether you own it or you rent it, it's where a lot of our investment goes, a lot of our money and our time goes into um, making these places places that we want to spend time but what would it look like if we were a people that in continuous continuously 
continuously. We're inviting people into our homes, that we were people who did hospitality well, that continually said, come in. And this is to our close friends and not close friends. It's just for safe people and unsafe people sometimes. You're not, we, we can't be the ones who say, I only let these few people into my house. We are to be accepting and bringing people into our community, um, into that court of the Gentiles, into that court where they can encounter and be around us and be around the presence of God. So I know that was like a really fast overview from like 10 commandments to Jesus to this, but we need to be people who are consistently keeping that thread, right? From the beginning, this wasn't just for the Israelites. It's not just for us now. Mission is crucial for us as followers of Jesus. How can we, as people who bear the Holy Spirit among us, how can we best engage with the unbelievers around us? As we come to the table today, we've, let's think about that a little bit. And Lawrence is going to come and we'll, uh, we'll move to the table and we'll be renewing this covenant with our Savior. Thank you, Brett. So we continue the image of the temple. Um, we as God's temple. But in a moment, I will lift up the host and I will say uh, the words of Jesus when he says, this is my body given for you. Right? So if we, we keep Jesus' words from John two in mind we are we are involved in a temple activity now um, god is giving us his presence his body again he is he is uh welcoming us into the most holy place as we as we come uh, to him th through confession, through, uh, through a, a retelling of the story of Christ's life and death and resurrection and ascension, and then a partaking of him into us.